With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lectionary takes us today past the parables into some stories. And this story that we're going to look at today is probably one that you've heard before. If you've ever been to Sunday school, And I know you heard it at the beginning of service, too, so that helps. (laughs) I'm going to read it again, but I'm going to read it in a different um, translation. I'm going to read it in the NRSV. Because I think the way that they translated it goes a little bit closer to, to the original language. And also, something really stuck out to me that we're going to really dig into in this translation today. So we're in Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 13. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, 20. 12 baskets full. And all those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord. There's one thing that drives modern middle-class moms crazy. I'm not quite to this point with my my kids, but... (laughs) um, when they get a little bit older, more teenage, closer to the teenage years, you watch them out of the corner of your eye as they, as your offspring comes walking up to the refrigerator. Offspring opens the door. The light comes on. Offspring stares blankly into the fridge for what seems like five minutes, and you want to scream at them, close the door, you're letting out all the cold air. Then the door closes and you hear a big, dramatic, (sighs) you think you know the answer, but you ask anyway. What do you need, hon? You can hear your kid's eyes roll way back in their head. 
as they briefly turn from their march of defeat to address you. And they say, there's nothing to eat. If all the moms in the world got a dollar every time they heard that one, they could collectively end world hunger. You'd like to grab your kid by the ear, drag them back to the fridge, and shove their nose into the Jenga tower of leftovers and the stack of frozen pizzas, the drawer packed with several varieties of lunch meat and pre-sliced cheese, and the eternal cascade of soda cans in the dispenser. You want to ask that child, does this look like nothing to you? You might be a little more understanding toward the disciples when they tell Jesus in verse 17, we have nothing here. Jesus is asking them to feed a crowd that is conservatively as big as a half-full stadium. No one, not the villagers who came to see Jesus, nor Jesus' disciples, expected to be out here all day. Person after person wanted something from Jesus. He didn't turn, a single, turn away a single one, and the line was so long. Meanwhile, stomachs began to grumble, and nobody had the foresight to pack a lunch. So now, it was up to the disciples to somehow manifest dinner, which would be hard enough to do even if it was just for Jesus and company. 15, 20, even more, 1,000 people out there. How are they supposed to feed them all? There's no, <laughs> there's no grocery store or fast food chain close enough, even if there were. How would they get all the food back to the hungry people? Plus, their, their business bank account is dangerously low, as it, as it always is. So low that every time that they write a check, they have to lay hands on it and pray that it doesn't bounce. There is no fully equipped industrial kitchen out here in this deserted place. They don't even have paper plates and cups. I know, for shame. All they've managed to scrounge up and all of their searching is five measly loaves of bread and two little fish. Maybe, maybe enough to feed one small family. For all intents and purposes, the disciples, unlike your first world child staring into the void of a mostly full refrigerator, the disciples really do have nothing. They mention the loaves and the fishes to Jesus. Not to say that they have something, but trying to show him how much nothing they actually have. This is, this is it, Jesus. This is all we got. It's nothing. We have nothing. There is nothing they can do to meet a need this huge. Jesus knows this. Jesus isn't stupid. 
<laughs> he knows this. So why would he tell them to do it? Jesus doesn't respond to the disciples the way that they expect him to. Or the way that you would expect any, per, any sane person to do. He doesn't say, oh, well, thanks for trying, guys. And he doesn't give them a guilt trip for not following through on his impossible command, telling them, you need to do better. Instead, with a strange gleam in his eyes, he says, let me see what you got. The disciples exchange glances, but they do what Jesus says. They get their little picnic basket of loaves and fish and offer it to him. Jesus peeks into the basket. And then he looks back up at his followers with an amused smile. And he says, or I imagine him saying, does this look like nothing to you? Some of you, maybe all of you, have looked around at this sanctuary Sunday after Sunday, and occasionally you've thought, we have nothing. We have nothing here. There's no one left. Maybe we see phantoms of those who we've lost or who have moved on sitting in their old favorite spots because there's, there's been no one to come in and fill those chairs. We have nothing. We have no one who can serve who isn't already maxed out. We have no money or time to spare, or else we might be able to change our trajectory. God has placed us here in this community, in Westminster. And he has commanded us to make disciples. There is a need. You make disciples, Jesus says to us. You might think it's as impossible of a challenge as Jesus gave his disciples that day. You might be right. You can't make something out of nothing, can you? When we think like this, and it's so, so easy to do, it's completely normal to think like this, but when we think like this, we forget who our God is. Our God is the one who did literally make something out of nothing when he said, let there be light. Is anything too hard for him? Nothing is impossible with him, Jesus told us. 
Not only can he, but he delights in taking the lowest of people and raising them to the highest of heights. He loves taking the smallest of gifts that are offered to him and changing the world with them. And he asks us to do things that are truly impossible for us to do You know, the quote, God will never give you anything more than you can handle. Baloney. But he will never ask you to do anything he cannot do. Remember what Jesus does with that little basket of nothing? that his disciples half-heartedly hand over. You probably know the rest of the story very, very well. He takes that tiny offering and he multiplies it. Everyone eats like they're at a buffet restaurant so they can't eat no more. And afterwards, there's got to be at least a hundred times more left over than what they started with. How incredible is that? How does that happen? How in the world does that happen? Only God can do that. Look around this room for a second. Look around with fresh eyes. Does this look like nothing to you? I assure you, the God who is with us today doesn't see nothing. He sees potential. He imagines what he could do if we would give our nothing to him. None of us are nothing on our own either. Take a good look at yourself. Take stock of what's there, even if there isn't much of it or it's not in the best shape. Your talents and skills, your possessions, your social connections, your time and energy, the love that you have to give, everything you have to offer. Even if you're completely honest with yourself, you may see, well, it's not much. Especially not in the grand scheme of things. Jesus sees what you have. And he's saying to you, whatever you've got, 
bring it here to me. Let me have it. Just trust me. For as many people as will become his followers, Jesus has multiplied his grace. He has multiplied the bread and the wine, these symbols of his body and his blood. They stand for all that Jesus had. He gave all he had. His throne and his glory when he came to earth and then all of his dignity and up to his very mortal life. He gave it all because he knew what his father could do with it. Because Jesus gave it all, there will always be enough of God's grace to go around. There is enough for all of us. There is enough for the whole world. And we can be satisfied. I invite you in a moment to come to the table. I need an extra hand here. <laughs> um, I invite you to come down the center aisle, take a piece of the matzah, dip it in the juice, and take it back to your seat or take it to the altar. Or you can come to the altar before you come up and are served. If you need some of God's grace this morning, and I think we all do, then I invite you to come and receive what God has given and be reminded of what he can do. We remember on the night that Jesus was betrayed, <laughs> he took the bread in front of his disciples as they were sharing the Passover. And as was tradition, he, he blessed it and he broke it. And he passed the pieces along to his disciples. These same guys who had seen him multiply the bread and the fish. Maybe they remembered that moment. He passed it around to them and he said, this is my body. Take and eat. And then after supper, he took the cup Cup symbolizing redemption. 
And he passed, he blessed it and he passed it around. They all drank. He says, this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you. He instructed us to do this. To take this bread and drink this cup in remembrance of him. Until the day comes when we can see him and know him in his fullness. We get to meet him. The day we get to bow before him and thank him. So as you come and take this bread and drink this cup, remember what he has done and imagine what he can do. I pray that this son of mine, <laughs> along with all of you, will be as, as gratefully receiving of 
what God has given. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your miracles, for this incredible miracle that we, that we studied today, and for what it shows us. Help us, Lord, to give as you gave, and to recognize that even when it seems like we have nothing, We do have something. We always have something. You have given us something. And you can do the impossible with that something. Help us, Lord, to live, to serve within that hope thank you, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. You were dismissed. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.